Welcome to the Alpha Dude Podcast with Michael Pulser. What would it be like if you knew that you were unstoppable and you could live life on your terms? Better yet, how good would it feel knowing that on your deathbed, you had fulfilled all your potential and more? Life on Earth has a beginning and an end. It's what you do in the middle that counts. Let's look at how to make that part even better. In the last episode, we set the groundwork and the essential message was this. By understanding psychology, that it's a two-step process, it is so important because then we can understand at the deepest level that external events don't automatically cause the internal ones. It's simply the interpretation of it. And the focus was on data collection. Then we touched on perceptual filters. At the end of the episode, this episode, I want you to have a pair of perceptual filters that you can adjust automatically to change everything. For the sake of this analogy, we will call them glasses based on the predominant submodality that most of us have from the five traditional senses of that called vision. So let's begin by examining a precedent. Unfortunately, we often remember the bad times, but we're going, to, we're going to exploit this by examining what happens in our minds when something negative happens, particularly a terrible state. If you think back, try and remember one of those really low points in your life. Perhaps it was after a breakup or maybe a major setback. Chances are everything in that situation was completely distorted. And as I mentioned last episode, we have to filter things through time as well. And as we look at the past and the present and the future, everything's changed. The past looks awful. Your past accomplishments just are pale. Your present looks bleak. And your future, you don't even want to go there. Now, let's contrast that. When a time when everything was absolutely amazing... Now, it's useful to use that last negative analogy in order to develop this positive one because what happened before the negative, there was a positive place. Before you can experience loss and regret, you must have had something to lose in the first place. So before you got into that bad place, perhaps you were in a fantastic relationship. Maybe you were in love. Maybe you had this amazing job. Maybe you just got a job. Remember that amazing sensation when nothing could stop you. In this really powerful state, chances are you felt that everything was great. And that was largely because of your perceptual filters. Again, your past, your past achievements brought you up to this place where you're sitting on the mountain of your past achievements. Your present looks great because you can look at the valley of pure opportunities, which brings you to the future. And the future looks nothing but great potential. And it's a fantastic place to be. But what is the difference? As I said before, it's not the external, it's the internal. So inside our head, if we dig up and look at the perceptual filters, the things that made the difference, then we can examine what the change was. As I mentioned before, we use generalized deletion and distortion. We generalized, and mostly it's at the level of identity. So when you're in that negative place, if you contrast and think about yourself, you might say, well, I always fail, or 
why do bad things always happen to me? Whatever it is that's going through your mind, it's usually at the level of your identity. In the positive situation, it's the same thing. At the level of your identity, things are just happening amazingly to you. Based on metacognition, if things always happen, really good things happen to you all the time, then there's a common thread. That thread is you. So you must have some sort of control over what happens to you. And if good things are happening, well, hey, you must be someone pretty special, pretty important, or pretty lucky. Whatever it is, that leads to that positive frame about who you are. We look at distortions, and in that negative state, you can distort reality. Someone gives you a compliment, and you're thinking to yourself, that person just wants to be friendly or get in my good books. You don't actually take it for what it is. Somebody says something and you misread uh, criticism from it. There are so many opportunities to take whatever happens to us and give meaning that will empower to our subjective experience. There are some objective truths, but subjectively there are so many more things that are happening. If somebody says to you, hope you have a great day, you could say, well, that person doesn't really care about me or else they wouldn't have given me a generic response and you might just blow it off. Or you might have said, wow, that person's really cool and you might strike up a conversation and develop a deeper relationship. Whatever it is, it's all based on the premise that if you distort things for your benefit, for positivity, then things are bound to change. And finally, deletion. When we delete things, it can give a positive or negative experience. If you're in a negative headspace, chances are that time that you got the job, that you fell in love, that you succeeded, that you achieved your accomplishments, all of those things mean nothing. They are just simply meaningless activities that just don't matter. Where if you are in an amazing place, you delete all the criticisms You know, all of those exams that you did when you went to university, all of those challenges you went through, if you're into sports, all those hard times that you had in the gym or on the track, everything that you've had has brought you to this place. And you can simply delete all the negative stuff and say, man, that was hard work, but not live in that negativity, not live in that harshness and just live on the great shoulders that you've built by challenging yourself and driving yourself to get to where you need to be. So we can contrast using the three filters. And that is basically the simple recipe for developing your perceptual filters. So, so far, we have simply the perceptual filter of the flow glasses or the happiness glasses, whatever you call it. In this state, everything looks amazing because you are filtering out all negativity. To achieve this, simply remember a time, like NLP anchoring, remember a time when you felt that way. Bring it into your mind. Maybe if you're not really confident getting there, remember the reverse and then simply flip it. Remember the time when things were so bad and think about the thing that happened before that, the thing you lost, the thing you regretted, whatever it is. Think about that, the time you actually got the job, as I mentioned before, and make that so you're in that moment, that you're feeling that sensation, 
that you're thinking about the past, present and future from that perspective. And when you're in that peak state, perhaps do an anchoring technique, squeeze your fingers together or make a ball in your fist and say, yes. And when you're in that place, you can experience what it's like to have those perceptual filters of the flow state. But is that what you want? Well, most of the time, it's probably a great place to be. But for me, flexibility is so pivotal. So let's get these glasses and maybe they've got a metaphorical button or switch and you can change it so you have another pair of lenses. As I mentioned in the last episode, things like curiosity. Remember when you really needed to work something out. Remember that state. And it wasn't something that had no answer. It had something that was right in front of you and you just had to do the work to get there. And when you finally worked it out, you felt amazing. You think back about the process and the place where you were that led to you achieving. You have to step into that. Step into that experience of knowing that whatever you're going to work out is going to bring you so much joy. And not only that, in the working out process, you're going to enjoy it too. It's, it's something that's all-encompassing. It's something that fulfills your potential. And while you're getting more and more into the peak state of really getting curious about things, do the same thing. Set off another anchor. Maybe use your left hand, ball it into a fist and say yes, or whatever it is. But once you've got it, keep practicing it. Keep rehearsing it. And then simply all you have to do is use the NLP model of using anchors in states of peak states, if that makes sense. Basically, use generalized deletion distortion, get your filters, you get the state that you want, you remember a past state. If it's not easy to get the past positive state, get a past negative state, flip it over, bring it to the peak state, set off an anchor, whatever that is, and then once you're there, you'll be able to set off the anchor in the future and that, that will bring you into that place where you're filtering out whatever you want to filter out. In my opinion, it's all about just having control over the situation. So set up your glasses. Make it so that you have these metaphorical glasses and you put them on. And when you put them on, you can simply press a button or or make a switch on the side and just subconsciously press it. And as you press it, you set off an anchor and that sets you to a new way of filtering things. It's probably also useful installing a negative uh, perceptual filter just so you can contrast it. Although I wouldn't advise to wear it often. And then once you've got this built in, make sure you've got many of them. Build them in for many situations different scenarios, and then once it's available to you, you'll find that whatever happens to you on the external does not dictate what happens on your internal. What's inside of you will be your perception, and you have complete control of that perception. Like you have if you wear glasses or even if you've worn sunglasses. You take off your glasses, you realise that there's dirt or or something on it once you look through the dirt everything is distorted so we have to take off these glasses clean them up put them on get the perfect vision and then adjust the filters and once you've done that 
you'll have access to this amazing technique and it will pay dividends. So I got a new mic and I'm adjusting the settings. If you found the first half of this podcast, if the audio was better, please comment a one in the show notes at iTunes or Podbean or wherever you downloaded the show. However, if this section that I'm speaking to you right now sounds better, please comment with the number two. With that aside, now you have the magic perceptual filters. Once you install them, you have the ability to adjust these lenses to filter out the negative whenever you want to have a great time. Or perhaps you want to transition it to a curiosity filter to master a subject when studying something of interest. These glasses are fun and they adjust the flow of your life. Yet in reality, it's all about the decisions we make. So hopefully this will be useful in changing the filters so that you can make the right decisions where they count. Speaking of which, the big decisions like family. Our next guest, Isabel, is on to discuss her major decision not to have children. Although for myself and countless others, children are perhaps the greatest part of life. But there are those who have a totally different mission. Here's Isabel Firecracker to discuss this further. Many people use the words child-free and childless interchangeably. You can also see the same thing happen in media. But there is a big difference between these two words. Me, I am decidedly child-free. And understanding what that meant truly changed my life. My name is Isabel, and I am in my mid-30s and I am Latinx. I was born in Colombia, more specifically in Cali, which is the third largest city in my country, to a very quote-unquote normal family. Both of my parents worked. My mom was a teacher and my dad a doctor. And I was born into privilege not because my parents had inherited their money or their power from my grandparents, but because with their effort, they gave me and my sister uh, a better chance to succeed. So we went to private school. We went to a bilingual private school. And uh, we were immersed in this little sphere of privilege and richness and people around me, many of them came from families that had been in this position for many, many generations. Colombia in general is a very conservative society. Like many more Latin American countries, these social norms and what is accepted and not here is deeply rooted in religion, more specifically uh, Catholicism. So many people in my country are very narrow-minded. They are bigoted. They have prejudice against race, gender, 
class, you name it. And even though this city, Cali, has over 4 million inhabitants, it feels like we're a lot less. Especially because the people that I grew up with in this little social sphere, they seem to know everything about everyone else. And everyone else seems to know everything about you. So they know where you come from, they know who you are, and they think they know where you're going. As conservative as this society is, it was expected of me from early on that I would grow up to form the normal, quote-unquote, normal family. So basically, I would grow up to find myself a husband, which would also work and hopefully make more money than I did if I ever decided to continue working after we have children because of course you're expected to get married and procreate and to have at least two children not just one and as a woman you're supposed to take care of your the household and if your husband makes enough to provide for everyone then you're supposed to dedicate 100% of your time to children. That is what was expected of women of my generation, still. Because of course, this, has, this was also the same thing that was expected of women from prior generations. Ever since I was very young, I didn't feel comfortable with that. I felt out of place. I felt like I was different. Uh, when we hit our teens, all of my friends started dating boys and having sex. So, you know, we were 15, 16. And at this time, I was more preoccupied on reading classic novels and listening to 1970s rock and traveling because I wanted to see the world. That has always been my dream. So when these girls went out with guys and when they were out and about in general, you know, we went to the social club or to the movies or to any of the places where we gathered, they were looking to find themselves a boyfriend. It felt as if we were trained from a very young age to find ourselves a suitable husband because that was step one, right? So find yourself a suitable mate. And I was different. I didn't care about that at the time. But around the age of 16, I really started feeling the pressure, societal pressure. Why haven't you had any boyfriends? Why are you not dating this guy or that guy? Why are you so much into books and into other things that are going to be meaningless to any guy who wants to date you and eventually get married to you? I suffered from very low self-esteem because that pressure was a lot bigger that you can imagine. And it came from everywhere. It came from my peers, it came from my family, it came from the media, it came from strangers, it came from everyone. 
And I couldn't say to any of these people that I did not feel comfortable because that was very frowned upon to tell them, you know what, I actually want to make something different with my life. And to be honest, I don't think I really knew that at the time. After having completed our higher education, my friends were very quickly starting to get married and having kids. So we were still in our 20s. And at the same time, I was traveling around the world. I moved to France. I was keen on learning everything I could from every culture. I kept reading. And I was trying to build something different of my life. But that pressure never left me. Even when I was away, it never left me because my friends getting married and having children was putting a lot more pressure on me because whenever we saw each other, they talked about either their marriage or their child. So even though I was trying to live a fulfilling life through different things, different activities that meant a lot more to me than you know, getting married and the picket fence and the kid and the mortgage. I was always thinking about my duty. It is my duty to my society. It is my duty to my family, to my parents. It is my duty as a woman. It is my duty to find a suitable partner, get married and have children. And I would think about that sometimes. I would think about what I would wear on my wedding day. And I would think about where we would go on our honeymoon. And I would think about how I would name my kids. And I would think about where would I send them to school. Even though I was single or maybe just starting to see a guy at the time, all these thoughts still went through my head. So I was living two parallel lives at the same time. On one hand, I was trying to fulfill that role that was given to me, the role of wife, the role of a mother. And on the other hand, I wanted to be free, just to do anything that I wanted to do. And these two worlds could not be mashed together. There was no way that I would be able to have everything. So in a way, I kept postponing the getting myself a suitable husband because I was a lot happier living on my other world. After I turned 30, things got worse in the sense that I kept hearing this nagging little voice inside of me. You know, that comment that most women get, you know, TikTok, the clock is ticking. You're going to get old. Nobody's going to want to marry you. And remember, women have a biological clock and you're going to have to make babies before you turn 35. Otherwise, there is a high risk of your baby being born with issues. So things in my life felt wrong because I let that pressure get to me. And I started frantically and desperately looking for a suitable husband. It was so not what I wanted for myself. And I just started throwing myself into these relationships. I just wanted to get it over with. I just wanted to get married and have children. 
fulfill that duty. It was like ticking that checkbox. Married children, done. But the issue still remained. I was still unmarried. I was in my 30s. And I needed to do something about it, even though I didn't want to. But I didn't know that at the time. So I met this guy. And he was everything that my parents had always wished for in a son-in-law. He had a steady job. He came from a good family. He was nice. He paid for everything when we went out. He was well-spoken, well-traveled. And he wanted to get married and he wanted to have kids. So he was this opportunity that life presented to me. Like here, this is what you want to do because people are asking you to do it and you're convinced that it is the path that you want to choose, here you go. This is your guy. At the beginning, to be honest, I felt relieved. I thought, oh my God, finally, finally I found that man that is going to take me as his wife and we're going to have children and I'm going to stop hearing from everyone around me that I am not normal, even though that's not the term they used. They did it in a more subtle way. But yes, you're not normal because you're in your 30s and you have not have children. Look at your friends. They're all mothers. We started dating in September of 2015. And it didn't take me very long to feel absolutely miserable. He was everything that society wanted me to find, and then some, because he was also sexist, and he was also prejudiced, and he was also bigoted. And that is not who I am. So we did not agree with many things. And as time went by, there was one side of me that expected to get that ring and another side of myself that was telling me to run. I finally decided to end it because I was really, truly miserable. And that's when things started to change. I started meeting women who lived their lives in their own terms. Most of these women come from developed countries, United States, Canada, Europe. They know what they want and they don't let anyone tell them what it is that they have to do with their lives. And I started taking a cue out of this and living that part of my life that I really liked experiencing. Somebody asked me at the time when I was going through all this wind world of new emotions and empowerment and just being happy, genuinely happy. They asked me, have you ever considered not having children? And to be honest, the thought had never crossed my mind because I didn't think it was an option. I never knew I had a choice. 
And I know this sounds crazy, but if you ask any woman who has voluntarily decided not to have children, they are going to tell you, most of them, not all of them, but they're going to tell you that they thought the exact same thing. At some point in their life, they didn't know they had a choice. And then something happened and they realized that they did. Because we all do. We have a choice. Society has put so much pressure on women to reproduce. So much pressure to be somebody's wife and somebody's mother. It is so embedded in our DNA and in our thoughts, in our unconscious that nobody questions it anymore. It's such an important decision in anyone's life, women or men. And yet, most of them, most of people who are parents don't really think about what this choice means, what it entails, how important it is. Because when you have a child, you can't have like a tryout period there's no backseas. You become a parent and that child is going to be under your care for a very long time. And even after that child has left your home, you will never stop being a parent and you will never stop worrying and you will never stop having that very strong bond or connection with that human being. And people don't really think about this. So when I was asked if I had thought about not becoming a mother, it prompted a lot of research about how does that work? Everyone around me has children. So, and, you know, people who don't, most of them is because they have had fertility issues. So how does that work? And that's when I discovered what being child-free is. Being child-free is making the voluntary and conscious decision of never having kids, whether biological, adopted, fostered, stepkids, you name it. In other words, it means that you do not want to take the burden of parenthood. Everything that I found resonated with me, and it resonated with my essence, and it resonated with who I am. And my life changed from that moment onwards when I could call myself a child-free woman. Everything around me changed. It was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. I felt liberated. I felt like I could do anything because the things that make me happy in life are different. They're not motherhood. They're not about seeing children grow up. They're not about changing diapers or taking the kids to vacation or... No, nothing about that appeals to me. It doesn't mean I hate children. I mean, being child-free does not necessarily translate into hating children. I actually love kids, just not of my own. And having made that decision also changed the way that I saw my career and what it is that I wanted to do with my life. I realized that I wanted to leave something behind, some, some type of legacy. And the best way that I could think about how to do that was to help other people. Because helping other people 
would hopefully translate into them helping other people and spreading kindness and making this world a better place. That's when I decided to become a life coach and I got trained to become one. And I started my project called The Uprising Spark in which through several different types of services and products, I help modern child-free women define and reach their life goals for a happier life. I am also the host of the Honest Uproar podcast, which is a space that I created to bring in more child-free women to talk about their life, their choice, their experiences, so that other women could listen and be inspired or relate. Because sometimes as a child-free woman, and in my case specifically as a Latinx child-free woman, I feel alone. I feel ostracized. But then I realized that there are so many of us out there. And my aim through the podcast and through my project is to strengthen the bond of the child-free community around the world. If you're listening to this and you're a woman who has not yet had children and you haven't made a decision, know that any decision that you make is valid, whether you decide to become a mother consciously or whether you decide to become child-free consciously. It is your life and you are the only one who knows what is going to make you happy. So my advice is to go out there and chase that. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If so, rate it from the place you downloaded it. For any questions, send an email to michaelpulser at gmail.com.